welcome to episode 12 of the Tales of Crisis. We are nearly one year old, so we'll be hitting one later on this month. And as a bit of a birthday celebration, we've got a special episode for you all today. The UK is in a unique position at the moment for MCP. As due to COVID restrictions here, uh, compared to a lot of the gaming world, we've been able to have a number of decent-sized real-life events for approximately six months now. And as this podcast focuses on real-life events, thought we'd get some of the key members of the UK community together and discuss where we are and where we'd like to go with real-life events, alongside any concerns we've got or anything others could learn from our mistakes. So hopefully this will be interesting not just to the UK community, but all other communities out there that are starting to get into the real-life events. To start off, uh, I'd like to thank everybody for joining me, uh, taking time out of their life to discuss hobby. And I'll kick off with some introductions. Representing the South, we have uh, Norbert, moving slightly further up to the North, but claiming to be the Midlands. We have Aaron. Then we have uh, in the Red Rose North, we've got Tony. In the White Rose North, we've got Rich. And finally, even further up, uh, we've got myself. So, thank you very much all for joining. No, not at all. Thank you for uh, for having us. Yeah, indeed. Thanks for having us. Excellent. Right, we'll start off with some quick introductions. So if we go through, and if you just let us know your brief hobby history and what you've been doing in MCP. So we'll start start in the south. So Norbert, do you want to kick us off? Sure, sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, So I'm Norbert. I I play out of the London meta. Uh, I've been wargaming for a very, very long time. People probably know me most from War Machine, uh, where I've been playing War Machine for the past 14 years and helped put together a, uh, a convention here in, uh, in the UK called SmogCon and then BonesCon. It was like a three-day American-style convention that we put together for War Machine for many years. And uh, also was uh, one of the founders and had um, referee for the, the World Team Championship for War Machine. But then um, just before the pandemic, uh, well, when the game MCP released, I got involved uh, in the game and, and really liked it a lot. And so um, got a few demo games in and then the pandemic shut us down. But then I got involved in the tabletop simulator community. And after playing a season there, then I became one of the organizers for a season. And then I became the head organizer for uh, two seasons. And during that time, not only were we doing um, league events, but we were also instituting one-day tournaments uh, on the weekends, uh, all virtually, and then also instituted some of the rules for um, um, regular play, and also so like like or, tried to help develop rules for organized play for tournaments, and then also ran the first team tournament as well, three man three person team tournaments that we ran, uh, and lastly also helped institute uh, the way we play we could play. Uh, with chess clocks through uh, uh, what we call the Quicksilver League. So quite a bit going on there. And now I focus mostly on developing the London uh, community. So we've been growing it quite heavily here. So if anybody's in our, our regular place is the Bad Moon Cafe, which is uh, near um, London Bridge. If you're, you're ever around, meet us there on Thursday nights or one of our weekend tournaments. Excellent. Thanks for that. And I have to say, you've probably got the best advertising pictures of any MCP event that I see. It always seems to be some picture of a random brawl in London. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> that became a thing, yeah, because uh, we, we would call it... I, I kind of got... You know, we, we're used to using the word crisis in the, in the context of the game, but I kind of went outside of the game just thinking, what could a crisis be at a cafe? And so I started um, finding all kinds of uh, food fight type pictures from around the world and using those as the uh, kind of the, the catch screen um, for, for our event pages. 
I always feel like Norbert's invited me to a night out in Liverpool anytime I get a, <laughs> uh, an invite through for any of those events. That's how we started. Uh, the first place we went to was um, um, it, it was uh, in Camden Town, Crisis in Camden Town, because of the alliteration. But there, what I did is, is I would pick um, people, drunken fights out on the street, usually with people all sprawled around. And um, I have to say the most fruitful ones that I found is if I typed in the word Cardiff ahead of street fighting. Uh, and found loads of those <laughs> interesting, funny, mostly funny, <laughs> funny photos because of all the partying that goes on there on the weekends. No, no Welsh representatives on the podcast today, so you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Aaron, I know you've been on before, but for those that aren't aware of you, do you want to give a, a brief history? Um, yeah, so I haven't got as long of a game history as some of the other members here, but I've been playing Marvel Cross Protocol for probably about. A year and a half, two years now, and I run Web Warrior Protocols. It's just a sort of website that I've started to sort of log um, my experiences with the game and tournaments that I went to. And I've, I've done reasonably well at events, which is always great as well. Um, more recently, running some of my own, the Illuminati Invitational events, which I know a few people here came to. I think it was everyone but Norbert, because I didn't realise whether he'd be willing to travel all the way up here just to listen to our accent. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's been great, and I've just been trying to help grow the community around me and at some of the local shops over at Logsay Sanctuary, Board and Swords Hobbies, uh, Board in Brum. So, yeah, that's um, who I am. <laughs> Aaron, but what, how did you, what were you playing before this? I'm very curious. Um, so, before Marvel, I was playing Middle Earth Strategy Battle Games. Then before that, I was playing Star Wars Legion. Before that, I was playing 40k. Before that, I was playing iOS. <laughs> I've basically played like, almost every game system. I've just worked my way through them. And then Marvel was the first one that I came across across where I actually settled on it and didn't move on to a different one. Thank you. And to say that you've done okay in some events is a, a slight understatement. I think you're by far the clear leader in the current Longshanks rankings. Um, what is it? Two or three defeats so far? After multiple so, events, I think Longchamps. Um, it's seventy wins and two losses. Not a bad ratio, really. Yeah, and then I've got. Um, I think there were four events beforehand before Longchamps was sort of being used that I went undefeated at all of them as well. So I'm doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Moving on to Tony, then. Do you want to give a, a brief history? Uh, yes. Uh, thank you. Um, so. Um, I guess thinking back time wise, I've been gaming longer than Aaron's been breathing. So um, there you go. <laughs> um, I started as a, a lot of people did in a in a games workshop, um, and then we set up uh, a club which was the Marauders. Uh, you, you know, often see us at events in the orange polo shirts. They've been quite synonymous with the club. Um, we did Warhammer for many years. Um, flipped over to Hordes and War Machine for. Uh, also for for many years, and then back uh, into um, the end of uh, Warhammer Old World, and then and then into AOS, uh, where I was quite fortunate to represent England in the uh, in in the world uh, uh, team events, etc. Um, so, in terms of Marvel, uh, been a very early adopter. Uh, Nigel and I on our way to uh, to LVO. Uh, had a printout of the rule pack for for the Marvel game, 
and we sort of both pretty much fell in love with it at that point. Um, so as soon as day one came, we were we were there uh, running demos in uh, Element Games, which is our uh, our home, if you like. Um, obviously disrupted through uh, through various COVID lockdowns and whatnot. Um, but what we, uh, we we sort of really tried to do uh, locally uh, to, to build up the club is um, what I what I will do. We have a regular night, which is a Friday night. So if anyone's ever around on a in Stockport on a Friday night, firstly, I'm sorry, but secondly, feel free to uh, to come over. Uh, th- there's normally a good crowd of us, um, sort of between six and, and twenty or so, uh, playing Marvel. And then once a month, I will run a, uh, I say a free-to-play. There's a whole higher fee, but uh, we don't charge to run or play in the event. Um, so it's just once a month. And then every quarter, we try and do something a little bit different. So in December, we did a draft where we got on a Zoom call on the Wednesday before, and we, we drafted uh, our lists. And then in March, we're doing the three-box challenge. And the idea is that, uh, you, you know, we keep going and, uh, and sort of supporting uh, the hobby and, and, um, and, and the group of players that we've got. And then uh, once a quarter, there or thereabouts, uh, I aim to run um, sort of a bigger event uh, at a weekend, so a paid event. Uh, so we ran the uh, showdown uh, for Halloween uh, with 54 uh, fine uh, gentlemen uh, join us for that one, which was really cool uh, to see. And then uh, the next big one is a two-dayer um, in April, so the 9th and 10th of April, uh, which is spring into Marvel. Um, so that's a seven-round event. Um, and what we're trying to do to sort of get that club vibe and the, the fact that you know we're not all going to be competing uh, for that number one uh, top spot, uh, especially if Aaron uh, does decide to go, um, so what we're looking to really do is reward uh, all the different levels all the way uh, through the weekend. So there will be awards for the, the all the people that, for example, have won two games out of the seven. They'll all go in a pot and the, the best of those guys will, uh, will will be crowned the champion of that group. So even, you know, everyone's got something to play for all the way. So trying to get that mentality and that sort of... You know, um, you know, it's not ninety people uh, with ten people that are competing on the shoulders. You know, everyone's playing and, and having fun and can compete all the way through to the end. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Excellent, and I think that uh, Halloween one is probably still the biggest that we've seen across the world. I, I believe so. That size, yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so uh, well, it's, it's looking like we're going to um, smash that out of the water in April. So, uh, yeah, that'd be really good to see. What what's the max attendance for April? Uh, we can do 128, so that's seven round clear winner uh, on Swiss. Um, realistically speaking, if if we can uh, if we can get to the the triple digits, the hundred, I'll be I'll be absolutely over the moon with that. Um, but at the end of the day, whether it's two or two hundred or anything in between, as long as the people are there and they have fun, then I've done my job. Absolutely. Then we'll finish off with Rich. Hey guys, Rich, um, really only appearing in one place, which is Rich Mid Gaming. Um, <clears throat> I, I've definitely not been playing war games as long as some of the other guys on here, but I'm definitely not as young as Aaron either. So I probably started playing before Aaron was born, um, but took a very long hiatus 
uh, once I hit my sort of mid to late teens. So from being about nine or ten, uh, I gather as a lot of other people did, um, walking in my um, local uh, local mall or local shopping centre with my mum and dad, saw these painted miniatures in a, in a games workshop and wondered what the hell they were and thought they looked amazing and, and got into Warhammer Fantasy and played that at school clubs and other such things, never to any any sort of high level, but uh, really, really enjoyed it. Played a bit of 40k as well, and dabbled with other um, other games, workshop games as well, so Necromunda, Epic, uh, and a couple of the uh, Lord of the Rings ones as well. But then really didn't play, didn't play any sort of tabletop gaming uh, or board gaming, really, from the age of maybe 14, 15, right up until probably four years ago, three or four years ago, um, when I I just decided, I was at a very different time in my life, and decided I wanted to pick up a, a new hobby. And I actually started with um, Star Wars Legion. I was... Um, don't, don't hate on me for this, but I, I, follow a, I follow Freddie Prince Jr. on Twitter. Now, the only reason I follow Freddie Prince Jr., I'm not, I'm not some sort of uh, raging fan of his, but obviously it's people may know him as the voice of Kin from the Rebels TV show. And he, along with the guy that plays um, Darth Maul, a guy called Sam, Sam Whitwer, I think his name is, um, were, they were posting these pictures of these Star Wars miniatures that they'd painted up. And I was like, oh, wow, there's a there's a games workshop type game for Star Wars. That looks awesome. Um, so got into that really, really heavily. Um, and then I think about a week before we went into lockdown here in the UK, uh, I was playing a game of Star Wars Legion and somebody at my local gaming store, Leodis Games, um, <clears throat> had just finished up, um, or just done a demo game for somebody of Marvel Crisis Protocol. Thought it looked really cool. Um, had a sort of very quick overview of, of what it was. Thought this was a game I could get into. Um, so maybe me just picked up the core set, uh, took it home with me, sort of started reading through the rules. Lockdown happened, um, and then I didn't play a real-life game for two years or whatever it was. Um, but I suppose a bit like Nobber and, and some of the other guys sort of TTS was was definitely my salvation for that game. Um, and I think it, it lent itself very well to TTS compared to some other tabletop games that I had been playing, um, especially, you know, games like like Legion and, and, and a few of the others where there's there's lots and lots of miniatures to move around and, you know, games on, <clears throat> on TTS could take a lot, lot longer. Marvel Crisis Protocol just seemed to work really, really well to it. And a, and a shout out to the guys that, you know, run that that mod because whether you whether you like it or not as a as a game um or as a mod <clears throat> you nobody can deny the work that they've put into that and and how good it is and the and the standard of living that they've they've done from it um i then i decided um probably uh, just under a year ago that i would um start to create some content around mcp at the time there was very very few people um who were doing any sort of YouTube videos. I think really at the time there was only Nate from the Gamers Guild who was doing any sort of, I would say, informative videos. Um, there was a few people doing battle reports. Um, there was, you know, quite a few people doing doing podcasts uh, and doing a really good job of doing the sort of informative, um, albeit 
you know, sometimes a little bit more on the competitive side. Um, but as a new player coming, you know, as, as a relatively new player into the game, I was sort of only been only been playing for about a year before deciding to to start content. I wanted to put some content together that was really aimed at not necessarily just for beginners, um, but things that that wasn't really being covered elsewhere. Uh, which is why I do a lot of you know rules that people aren't aware of. We try and do some fun videos as well. We're currently in the middle of doing. Um, our ultimate guides who are breaking down each affiliation and they're very much designed for players just coming into the game who maybe don't know where to start there's so many characters now in this game and so many different character packs that you can buy um, it can be a little bit intimidating I think for a new player coming into it and you know very few people want to come in and drop three and a half thousand dollars on this game which yes I've worked it out that is how much we have all spent if we've gone out there and bought every single miniature available to us now obviously we probably all got great discounts from our local gaming stores but um you know not not many people now are willing to do that so the idea behind it was um you know uh, as an entry point for people either brand new or um looking to pivot from one affiliation into into another um alongside running the channel uh, i do run a number of events uh, both locally but then we've also done some some virtual events as well so um, right now we're at the back end of running or I'm at the back end of running uh, the Leodis League so it's at Leodis Games um, just outside of Leeds um, we had 10 players signed up they were the only 10 players that were playing Marvel Crisis Protocol when we first when we first started this and we said well look we're just going to do a game every two weeks or so um, and we play everyone plays each other once so we all get nine games in um, now things happened people you know COVID and everything else so it's taken us a lot longer to end up finishing them off but we've already now got I think thirty two people signed up to the next league that we're going to start probably at the end of the end of February beginning of March. So even in such a short space of time we've we've increased the number of players by um you know by sort of 300% which is which is really really good. Um shout out to Alex as well uh who who also runs some of the uh, in-person events at Leodis sort of the one dayers. Uh he's been really really good and and helping out and and running those as well. Um and yeah, it's it, it's been really good so far. We we hosted a or I hosted a team tournament. I think the UK's first team tournament, um, heavily inspired by what Norbert did for uh, for TTS, uh, where we had teams of three. We had some restrictions in place uh, around um, how many you know how many types of each card you could have. I think we were pretty much restricted to a single deck of cards uh, for the entire three players, which. Mix things up quite a lot. It meant that you didn't just get, um, you know, three teams all running Sam Spam or Web Warriors or, you know, whatever the latest and greatest, you know, most meta affiliation is. Um, Aaron, I'm looking at you. Um, but, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> and I think each of you guys all came and, and represented with the, with the team yeah. as well, didn't you? Mm -hmm. So um, we didn't quite hit the 50 number. We, we were limited to 48 players on that one. Um, but it's something we, we will be doing again. And then um, towards, I can never remember now which happened first or second. It was either later on in the year or slightly earlier. Uh, I ran a charity event um, where I played... 
I think it was 18 games of Marvel Crisis Protocol pretty much back-to-back, each one an hour and a half, or supposedly an hour and a half. I think it ended up taking about 28 hours in total. Um, But the community that came together for that, I think we raised over £3,000 in total um, for uh, for a children's cancer charity um, here here in, uh, in Yorkshire, and that was just absolutely amazing. And that is something that I'm already putting plans together for now, uh, for later on in this year. And we're going to try and make it even bigger, even better than it was before. And there's even talks of me trying to play, and I don't know how I'm going to do this because I struggle playing one game at a time, but playing two games of Marvel Crisis Protocol simultaneously, um, mm. which will be really interesting be to, see if, uh, <laughs> to see if I manage to do it. But, uh, but yeah, so that's me in a not-so-nutshell. Excellent. Well, thanks for that, everybody. So we'll crack on. We've got some questions. We're going to try and limit questions to around five minutes for overall answers so we can get through them all. Um, so let's start off with... So I think other than Tony, before MCP, I hadn't come across any of yourselves. So as mentioned, we've all clearly come from slightly different communities in the past. Um, so the first one is around your previous communities. Is there anything you would like to see uh, either more of or or starting that you've come from your previous communities that you really enjoyed that you'd like to see more of in the MCP community? And we'll start with yourself, Norbert. Um, I would like to see uh, more two-day events. I'd like to start seeing more conventions uh, here in Europe, that is. Uh, maybe some more regional travel and how things are, are um, lightening up in terms of the pandemic and, and even then international uh, events. So, I mean, I basically just want to start seeing a mixing of community uh, like we had um, for many years in the war machine community. Uh, just for those that aren't aware, what, what would you say the difference between a con and a, a tournament is? Oh, okay. Yeah. Good, good point. Um, Cause we had to do a lot of education uh, when we started doing smog con uh, down here, which was the first um, American style event. So for me, a tournament is um, just like what Tony's uh, described for his um, event. So it'd be like over two days Everybody's in the same tournament, and um, you know there's a certain number of rounds, and there's one winner at the end of it, which are great. I uh, love those. Um, but I also like the American-style convention, which would be um, typically three days. can be done in two or two and a half, but typically three days, Friday through Monday, where you'd have various types of heats uh, on the Friday and the Saturday, which would lead to a qualifier on the Sunday. And that would mean then that there, we, you'd also have room for more casual events, team events, uh, fun events. Uh, you know, for us, we have all those kind of um, ultimate crises type of, I think that's what they're called, right? The, the three-player thing. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the point is, is that you have lots of different variety to cater to loads of different tastes. And also, if you are in the competitive bracket, once you finish a qualifier, you can go ahead and do something else. Um, and it's nice because then you're together for, as a group, a big group, hopefully, uh, for a few days at a time. And so you can start to develop better friendships and have dinners and, and drinks together. And so it's just a lot of more time for socializing. So that's why I like that kind of event as well. Excellent. No, that's that's not something we I particularly saw ever in the AOS side in the, the UK. Um, but it's always something that, you know, you see the Americans doing it, it always looks really appealing. So totally agree. It would be great if we could get some of those going. I know you tried to do that at L- London GT uh, last year. Um, but due to COVID, et cetera, we couldn't quite make that work. Right. Yeah. It was a shame. It was a little too early. There was some interest there, 
but the ambition was a little higher than where we were at as a as a community at the time. Okay, perfect. Um, Aaron, I know you you say you'd be relatively new compared to others, but is there anything that you've seen previously um, in in other game systems that you'd like to see more of in MCP? Um, to be honest, as, as I said, I hadn't had a huge experience with um, sort of any kind of events or competitive gaming before Marvel. Like Norbert mentioned, it'd be nice to get a few more two-day events, which we're starting to see pop up a little bit more. Um, I'd never been to a team tournament, though. Obviously, Rich mentioned that he ran one, and I went to that one, and that was the first one I'd ever been to. But actually, although that isn't really necessarily past experience, I'd like to see more of those kind of events, to be honest. No, I mean, that that was a great day. I really enjoyed that. And a a uh, two-day team event would be awesome. Yeah, it was it was really fun to do. Um, as I said, it's the first one I'd ever done. I did enjoy it quite a lot. So seeing more stuff like that would be good. I think what Norbert mentioned sounds really interesting. I've never been to anything like that. Um, but certainly have never been to any kind of gaming event that's lasted more than two days. So it'd be great yeah. to see some of these, these things. And um, Norbert mentioned as well, the travelling and the regional gaming. I've never done anything like that. So again, I'd like to do something like that. I think that'd be great. I think it'd be really good for the Marvel community as well. Excellent. Uh, Tony, I know you've you've been in the scene for a long time. Is there anything from your past experience um, that you'd like to see more of? Yeah, so I mean, I've, I've been uh, stateside for three conventions. Um, so uh, TempleCon twice and then and then LVO. And I, I just reiterate that, you know, they are phenomenal uh, experiences. Because um, you quite often find with a more traditional tournament, you, you know, you, you sort of play your game, you have a bit of lunch with people, and then quite often the evenings you sort of uh, tend to go and hang out with the people you've travelled with, which because you're sharing the hotel, you've got shared vehicles, etc. Whereas the the con style, because you're all finishing different things at different times, you just find that you mingle more uh, with the people around you. So uh, no, I'd def- definitely love to see uh, some more of that. Um, and outside of that, yeah, the um, you know building up to uh, the, the two day events, um, I think uh, it is really good. I think I think there's about three, including uh, Spring into Marvel, that have yeah. sprung up. Um, if you pardon the the the, the, the <laughs> um, and I, I think that's really good to see. Um, I, I actually think the you know two day team event uh, is definitely viable. Um, although I wouldn't be opposed to that as being part of the convention style. So you've got a couple of single events and, you know, a team event um, sort of threaded through that. That experience, I think, would be really good as well. Excellent. Thank you. Um, Rich, anything you want to add? Uh, yeah, I think um, I think these guys have done a, have done a really, really good job of covering it off. Really. As I mentioned, it's, it's probably the first um, gaming system for me where... I've really played at any sort of level. Um, now, you know, leave comments as to what level you think that is, but in terms yeah. of, like, actually making the effort and, you know, this weekend, for example, I was at, um, you know, Web Warrior... Oh, sorry, the Illuminati Invitationals down at Board in Brum, uh, hosted by Aaron, which was a, a great day. Um, I've never done anything like that before, getting into, getting into Marvel. Um, for me, I... 
I love um, I love pitting people against each other or groups of people against each other. Um, Tony came up with an idea a, a little while back for for Six Nations and, and that sort of thing. And I've been speaking to some of the guys stateside to do a Ghost Rider Cup, um, or you know some of the guys over in over in Australia to do an Ashes themed one where um, you know we pit we, we pit ourselves against different nations and that sort of thing. So I would like to see something like that um obviously it gets harder when you start you know including um nations that are not particularly easy to get to a la you know the us and and australia um but yeah those sort of things even at a regional level you know pitting you know pitting uh, pitting the londoners against the midlanders against the the wrong side of the pennines and then me over on the right side of the pennines could be could be quite fun something along those lines Absolutely. Well, that's, a, that's a great link into my next question, which was in the AOS community, um, as, as Tony's mentioned near the start, we had uh, Six Nations um, and we also had UK Masters. Um, do we think we're there yet as a community f- to see those in MCP? Would you want to see those? Um, so let's start with yourself, Rich. 100%. 100%. I, to, to, and, and it's 100% for me to both parts. I think we've had enough time now since because it, it it's a really hard it's really hard to say you know since the game came out um i think you know tts had a big impact on the number of players that were playing this game i i do genuinely believe that we'd have seen a much much bigger uptake if that hadn't have happened yes there was a a a small group of people and i use the word small it's still one of the largest communities and i'm doing sort of air brackets there in in mcp all around the tts scene um but it's nowhere near compared to the number of players out there that are playing in person um and i do think whilst for a you know for a select group it was really good um for a lot of people they just you know they choose not to play on tts because they just don't like it for whatever reason that may be Um, but i do think now there's been enough time and as you said, um, as you said earlier on, Martin, we, you know we're fortunate enough that we have had restrictions pretty much lifted now for for the best part. I want to say of almost a year-ish, give or take. I think maybe, um, and <clears throat> I'm seeing more and more people at every event I go to. I'm seeing more and more people join Facebook groups. I'm seeing more and more people join WhatsApp groups. More and more people join Discord groups. Um, and a lot of them are coming from the likes of Guild Ball. They're coming from Malifaux, but also they're coming across from other gaming systems as well, like uh, you know Middle Earth uh, stra- uh, bat- Middle Earth Strategies Battle Game. I always get that one the wrong way around. Um, so I think there is there is I, I think there's enough stronger, um, more veteran players situated regionally throughout the whole of the UK where we could look at the UK and we could split it up and say, right, there's going to be, there's going to be 10, 10 regional leagues, if you like, and you know they run over a six-month period, however many players there are, you know, X number of games. There's, a, there's then a, a qualification and then the top four players, whatever it is from each, <clears throat> from each uh, region, go straight through to you know, a, a grand tournament, a UK grand tournament, and then there's maybe some qualifiers off the back end for it. It's something I don't think Atomic Mass Games are going to do, or at least if they do do anything, 
it'll be in the US first. And I think as a community, it's probably down to us if we want something like that to do it. Um, but I think it'd be fantastic. I think it'd be absolutely brilliant to have players from all over the country turning up for a two-day event. And to your point, Norbert, you know, run things alongside it as well. So maybe there, you know, there are some people who didn't qualify but still want to turn up because they want to, you know, do some ultimate encounters or, you know, they want to play in some of the side tournaments or anything like that. And I think we're ripe for it. I think there's enough players and I genuinely think there's enough appetite out there for it. Excellent. It's interesting the way you said it around doing kind of like regional knockouts qualifiers and then going in because the UK Masters from AOS that I remember was more of a everybody sent all their results into a central location and whoever finished in I think it was top 16 they went through um so it's interesting to see a different way so Tony I know you were involved in you've done the Six Nations you've done UK Masters as well in AOS what are your thoughts on that um, yeah, def- definitely ready. Just to, to clarify on the Masters, it's the top 15 in the rankings plus last year's winner. That, that's ah, that's that was how it. that was decided. Um, so, yeah, if you qualified in one year, you could take it the foot off and uh, and then you're guaranteed a spot. But uh, other than that, yeah, absolutely. It's all done through rankings. I think the thing with Marvel Crisis Protocol... Um, we don't have that central ranking system. Now, I know um, a lot of us, certainly in the North and the Midlands, are utilising Longshanks as our TO software of choice, uh, but I don't think that's universal. You know, there's still pockets. Um, I, you know, I think t- uh, TTO, is it, um, that, that's yep. down, down there? Um, so I think, you know, as a collective, we'd have to sort of seriously think about where that, that central place needs to be, what that needs to look like um, in, in terms of a Masters. Um, I also wouldn't be opposed to having regionals rather than it based on rankings. So you you rock up to your region, you, you finish in the top X, and then you, you, you get to go and play in a, in a final somewhere, be that as part of a bigger event or, or whatnot. Um, you know, there's um, uh, the studio that uh, Honest Wargamer uh, hosts his events at. I know he's quite keen to sort of get an eight-man player event and record all the games over a whole day and get a clear winner, uh, which would be really cool. So you can see every event, uh, yeah, yeah, every game uh, over the day. So there's things like that. Um, in terms of the um, sort of Six Nations, um, that people in, on this uh Call. We get, we've sort of bounced some ideas around a few a few outside of, um, and I, I think Six Nations is quite restrictive in in hindsight. Um, but you know, an international team event um, is is certainly doable, um, and and getting that right. But you know, why restrict it to six? You know, if if the Nordic countries want to put a team together, France, Italy, um, you know, why restrict England? To, to one when we've got such a great crowd um, so I think there's definitely scope to do um, an international team event uh, and I don't think we're that far off being able to uh, to, to get that up and running really it would be amazing to see uh, Aaron going across to yourself yeah so um, I've not got much experience of any of these type of you know regionals or um, GTs or even masters or anything like that but I'm. I think there's, from what I've seen, there's definitely enough people there willing to take part in it. Um, I, for one, think it'd be a great experience. I'd like to try, uh, give it a go, see how it goes. So, really, 
I'm all for it, but don't actually know that much about it, unfortunately. Well, that's right. No, that's excellent. Uh, and no, but I don't, did you have the concept of a UK Masters and Six Nations for uh, War Machine or Hordes? Yeah, yeah. We, we definitely had um, the UK Masters, which was a pretty big event um, over time. Um, I, I don't think that we had a Six Nations kind of a thing. And I think that might be because we had the World Team Championship not that soon after I came to the, the UK. So, um, uh, so, so nothing like that on a more regional level comes to mind. Am I missing that, um, Tony? Am I missing no, that? I, I think, um, th so because we always had the ETC, um, yeah. the Six Nations was kind of like the, the warm-up for the ETC. Um, but of course, when uh, Warhammer died and AOS was born, uh, there wasn't the, the scope to go straight into that ETC world type event. Uh, so Six Nations ran for a few years before uh, everyone got their act together uh, to, to run the sort of, I think it's actually called the World Teams uh, Champions now. It's because it's the ETC has kind of uh, gone uh, defunct. Um, but I, I think that the, the big difference between Holds and War Machine Masters and what was done in, in Warhammer and AOS, um, you could buy a ticket for the Holds and War Machine Masters. So... Mm you know it was a hundred plus player event you just bought a ticket like a tournament and it was the masters uh and private press supported that um appropriately uh as opposed to what was in the warhammer thing which was you know it, it's uh and i hate to use the word but it's like an elite level event with the best of the best all in one room to to compete see who's the best on that that given weekend but um i think certainly the uh the vibe was a little bit different, but the uh, the outcome was was very similar. Yeah, Tony, I do remember one event now. Uh, we when we used to run events in, uh, in uh, Amsterdam, in uh, sorry the Netherlands, uh, called ClogCon. Uh, for like the final two years of ClogCon, we did an invitational. So this is where uh, we would invite the winners of all the different events around Europe. And they would play in a 16... Well, we'd had a last chance qualifier at the convention, and then there was a invitational on the Sunday. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's more, more like uh, what we would think of as the Masters um, from an AOS 5. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Excellent. Thanks for that. So moving on to another thing that we've... Uh, come across in i've come across in other tournaments on other tournament scenes as such is the concept of tournament clocks and norbert you mentioned at the start around that you'd done some experiments with it in, in one of your leagues that you'd set up so i'll go to yourself first what are your thoughts on tournament clocks in real life events and how often as either a player or a, or a to have you actually come across any issues with slow play shall we say Mm -hmm. um, so I, I come from people have to understand I come from a war machine background where chess clocks were uh, just a, a matter of force like everybody would just play with chess clocks uh, pretty early on I mean very early on in the game it was more of um, it would do time turns so every player would get X amount of minutes to play their turn uh, and then when the time ran out they would have to stop and then the other player could play uh, but th that quickly got moved to chess clocks which we thought was um, a more fair way to do it um, so that people can play different style armies and things like that. Now, my experience so far with um, MCP is that 
uh, in real life events, once people have gotten warmed up to it anyway, once we all kind of learned how to play a little bit better, we've been running one hour, 45 minute rounds. Um, so from start to finish uh, without chess clocks. So just um, it's an overall round timer. And for the most part, most of those games end on time. Um, maybe 5% don't end on time. And then we have, we've created a few rules to determine who the winner is um, um, if time runs out. Uh, having said that, though, if the competition level goes higher or if we do have bigger events, um, I think chess clocks might become more of a thing. And the reason for that is, is in super competitive events, or at least at the top tables, let's say, um, people will want a clear um, outcome and they want to be able to feel like they've had a fair amount of time to play. And there might be gamesmanship out there, but it's really, even if there isn't, it's very hard to prove um, um, slow play. And it's awkward uh, for, for players to call somebody out on slow play. It's awkward for referees to determine if it was slow play. But at the same time, there are people who take more time during the course of a round, even when they don't think so. I think that's one of the most illuminating things is when people start playing on clock because they don't realize how much time they've been eating up. Um, and so in those instances, I think it might become more apparent to use um, uh, chess clocks. And it, at big events, when there's round times that have to end at a certain time, I think the chess clocks become more important. So, for instance, um, just this past weekend, we had the Las Vegas Open. Tony mentioned it as well. Um, but at LVO, they had one of the largest MCP live events so far um, overall in the world, but certainly in the States. And uh, they play that all on chess clocks as well for as i said i think mostly to keep the time because they were at a convention hall yeah fair enough uh, go to yourself tony what are your thoughts on chess clocks um so <laughs> yeah i'm i'm not uh, opposed to, to chess clocks at all um you know, it was definitely um an upgrade from the the stopwatches that we, we used in holds and war machine at the start um as it stands right now, um, I'm not sure that we need them as such. Um, now, when I run events, and I mean, uh, I say that about the Friday night events, we run 90 minute rounds, including setup. Um, and we have a very clear it's dice down. Um, and, you know, most of the time, most people will finish those games. The odd person I have to go over and we sort of work it out. It's like, look, you know, is there a way you can come back? And, um, you know, we, we sort of agree between the two players and myself as the TO. Uh, and that's 90 minutes with no, no setup. Um, but I think, you know, that the, uh, the point that uh, is made there. As the game grows, um, you know, it's easy to do that when it's 16 even 40, 50 people in a room to, to catch those last few games. Um, but, you know, when you're talking 100 plus players, you know, 200 plus in a convention style, uh, to be able to have enough people around to manage that, that end of round uh, timing becomes a lot more difficult. And then I think actually the chess clocks uh, really come into their own because it, it, it draws a, a, a clear line that's it time up um so yeah maybe as we go uh it's probably worth us thinking about more but at the moment i think we're, we're broadly uh okay uh just shouting times up as we go excellent and aaron um so in my experience so far which is i think 82 tournament games i think i've only ever gone to time on around three times maybe and even then it's been very um, clear what the result of the game is going to be. 
I don't like the idea of chess clocks, but then again, I've never had to use a chess clock for anything. I've never played in that sort of competitive environment. So I suppose I'd be, I'd be, oh, I'd be for trying it, but I know it puts off a huge portion of the community um, just from the get-go. So I know for well there are players in my, my local group that hate the idea of chess clocks, um, be it for whatever reasons. We've never really explored it as, as of yet. We've not had to um, sort of come across it. I know it puts off a lot of new players who kind of see it as something really scary Um, but then similar to yourself I've never actually really given it a go so it's it's difficult to say until we we try it yeah I mean I have I'm really lucky to have quite a a huge local community where we've got quite a large variance from you know sort of the more casual players to the more competitive players and I know at times people have asked me and said, oh, is Marvel just a competitive game? And obviously it isn't. And I've told them this. And I I just think chess clocks automatically adds to that image of, oh, this is sort of a really serious game. You can't just play it casually. It's just about tournaments. So I'm not a fan of the idea personally. Fair enough. We'll we'll see where it goes. Uh, And Rich, your thoughts? 100% a fan. Um, But as with everything, it's about using the right tools at your disposal for the right type of event. Um, I I agree wholeheartedly that when we start getting to larger tournaments, uh, and not, not even necessarily larger, but more competitive, um, you know, for example, if we were to do a... Um, a, a a grandmaster or a you know a, a a grand tournament or something like that off the back of a regionals, um, I I would think that that type of event should one hundred percent run um, run clocks and and the reason why is we we have such a variance now in rosters and squads and just the number of characters and things that you have to do. Within a um, within a certain game, um, you know, take a, a black order player for example, going up against the Sam Spam. Um, the the amount of time that black order player will take during a game will will be you know potentially considerably less than a than a Sam Spam player. Um, <clears throat> and being brutally honest, I really hate slow play. I think. Not having a restriction in place for certain games um, is not a good thing because you end up having to stand there for some time. I've been stood there sometimes for like five, ten minutes waiting for somebody to decide what it is they want to do. And <clears throat> especially with where the game is at the moment, if you're going up against a list that's very wide, um, typically you're going behind early doors. So if there is an overall time limit on the game, and let's say it's two hours for argument's sake, including setup, which I think should be more than enough, um, if you if you have gone behind early doors because you're up against a sam a, a, a spam list, I always say sam spam, but any sort of spam list, um, you you tend to come back into the game towards the latter rounds. So if those if that game is cut short seventy percent of the way through because your opponent has taken so long. I think it's really unfair on that other player because it lends to one person's play style and not the other. Whereas giving each player the exact same amount of time, 45 minutes on a chess clock each, um, you then get, you know, two or three minutes 
in between uh, each round for you know clean up and everything else that needs to be done um i think would be would be absolutely fine in a in a very very competitive scene um should you be running chess clocks at your local friday night events tony 100% no because it will put people off but i think as people work their way up their game they they will almost expect other things that they have to work around um and i and i see chess clocks as as really as an inevitable part of of our game because as we're trying to fit more games in within a period of time and become you know we become stricter with with the times that we've got um there has to be something in there to make it a level playing field and one player getting ahead and then as you to your point no but slow playing which is something that's really hard to um to, to really judge on um the chess clocks mitigate all of that in my opinion yeah it's it's a really interesting one because i think it is quite not necessarily divisive but i think once we start to see introduced you will see a lot of kickback but i think it may be inevitable i'm not a big fan myself but at the same time i think no but you touched on something there that i often think about is uh you know when it doesn't go to time as such when you know when it sorry when it goes to time as such uh, was it me or was it my opponent because uh, it's very difficult in the game to say well it was definitely my opponent took too long unless you know you're playing at a really fast pace um often i'll be there making decisions they'll be there making decisions and then you kind of think well was i slow playing were they slow neither of us were doing it intentionally but mm-hmm. you, you just don't know being like saturday for example i think all four of my games went down to probably five ten minutes left we finished them all in time um but they were all really close and if one extra five minute decision could have could have put it over time um but at the same time we've got to be careful not to put people off so it'll be interesting to see where that one goes it's interesting as well i think that thought that in other communities it's just a part and parcel of the game i think war machine hordes is seen as a very competitive game anyway whereas i think marvel is going to have a, a real wide breadth of from the top competitive elite as such um all the way down to the people that just want to play it because they love superheroes yeah keep, keep in mind though um i totally agree with you but i just add to the fact that guild ball was uh, a chess clock game and uh, if i understand it correctly i think uh, high levels of um 40k play now uses chess clocks they do yeah again at the high levels um it's not something we tend to see that often in aos but yeah 40k i know they started to introduce the the chess clocks uh there as well with uh i think good success from what i can understand Um, i I think that's very quickly on oh sorry 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 i was just gonna say just to add to that i think i when you get to a high level if you're putting a time limit on a game it's the only fair way of doing it um, especially when there are things at stake, um, because otherwise it's open to manipulation. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, it gets away from that feel bad of somebody coming away saying, well, they slow played me. Well, did they or did they not? Because you, unless you're personally taking time, like keeping note of time, you don't really know. Okay, uh, just a very quick one on this one then. Running time. So we've mentioned different running times there. As a, as a standard tournament, maybe, you know, Tony, your Friday nights are slightly different because you know you're limited for time. But as a standard tournament, what do you like to see for the running times? So uh, let's start with Aaron. Um, so an hour 45 is what I've put in place for the couple of events that I've run. 
I think an hour and a half is typically fine as long as you allow for some a, a little bit of extra time to um, set up the missions and whatnot. Yeah, but I okay, think generally it, it, it does come down again to sort of the level of play and the, the people that are at the event. Okay, uh, Tony, what are you looking at for most of your events? Like, say, excluding yeah, the time limited um, ones. I don't. Um, put a separate setup time i just run 145 minutes um sorry and 145 minutes, an hour and 45 minutes uh <laughs> for, for a, a day or a weekend uh that the timings are all geared around that um i tend to be quite relaxed about people starting so as soon as the draws up it's like, like find your table find your opponent say hello and get cracking you don't need to wait for me to ring a bell um, as you say on the, the Friday nights, I'm, I'm quite restricted on time, so we you know we, we have to be out by eleven. Um, so I need to finish at half ten. So we've got a bit of time to chat and, and whatnot uh, once we finish. So we start half five, ninety minutes, fifteen minute break, ninety minutes, fifteen minute break, and we just about get it all in. Um, and then what we'll tend to do there is we'll, we'll get some uh, pizza huts in or something like that that people can just eat while they're gaming. Um, but you know, people know that that's what they're signing up to. Um, and you know, try and keep the like you've got an hour left, you've got half an hour left, 15 minutes, right? Come on, guys, where are you up to? Don't start another round if you can't finish. You know, as long as you're clear, I think you can you can do what you like. But 45 minutes, uh, an hour and 45 is my uh preferred running time for a round. Excellent, Rich. Um, com- completely agree with uh. With Tony there, I think for a standard 1v1, uh, one hour, 45 minutes for setup, for um, for play and everything else is, is more than ample. Um, but saying that, you know, having having attended, I think, two or three Tony of those Friday night sessions at Element, um, the 90 minutes, I think there's only ever once one game I didn't manage to finish in that 90 minute period. Um, so, you know, Hour, hour and forty for, for anyone looking to do it. Hour and forty-five minutes is absolutely ample. Any, any, any more than that, and you run the risk of a group of people finishing and being stood around for thirty minutes, forty-five minutes, um, waiting for the next game, and that's not really something you want to be happening. No, you've got to try and find that balance, haven't you? Um, and no, but I think you said one hour fifteen as well, didn't you? Uh, hour and 45 no, sorry no. one hour 45 yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm looking at 115 and reading it as one hour 15 yeah uh, hour 45 yeah we do power gaming down here in london no messing about <laughs> no we we, we toyed with some different times as we got started in the live events this was uh, kind of during the course of the pandemic there were some pockets where we could open up uh, and play things and uh, we really did kind of settle on one hour 45 being quite not i wouldn't say overly generous but certainly i'm more on the generous side uh and therefore most games end as a result and my goal as a to is, is to turn around and round uh in in less than two hours which is like brilliant compared to how it was with war machine and so that gives me time to um uh you know do the pairings make sure that uh, i try not to pair people from the same meta together and then get that out to people and they get to their tables and uh, that makes for a great day because then you can squeeze in a lunch, uh, you know, hour, uh, 45 minutes, half hour um, and get a day d- uh, done from like we start at 10 and we try to wrap up by seven. Uh, so you still have your evening to yourself uh, if you do four rounds that way. So 
um, I think it's beautiful, a beautiful uh, amount of time. Uh, I'd still prefer, like I said, in bigger yeah. events to do it on the chess clock, uh, but that's more just so that the players have an equal amount of that time to use. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much. Um, are the uh, venues that you've been to um, for, for the MCP events, are you finding that venues tend to have enough space um, and, and the right setup, or how, how do you find that? Um, I'll start with yourself, Aaron. Um, so I've been to quite a few different venues, probably around seven or eight. I've done 22 events at Dalton now, and um, I think most places are pretty sound. There's still a couple of places that are getting trying together and struggling to get um, like a consistent level across each board. But I think as time goes by, as game grows in popularity and you know store owners invest into the training it's getting a lot better generally i don't think anywhere clumps anyone up too much i think most places give the right sort of space and uh it's usually a pretty good setup at most venues excellent uh rich yeah i think um sort of echoing a little bit what aaron said there really um I think I've not been to as many venues as, as Aaron. I think I'm on four or five now, I think, overall. Um, and you can definitely tell the the earlier ones, you know, the sort of early events, you know, you sat playing on Age of Sigmar and uh, 40k type of terrain, which, uh, whilst it's fine, um, is, you know, it's not really what you want when you're going to play MCP. Uh, you want it to be thematic, um, I'm really fortunate that uh, my two local gaming stores, uh, Elysium War Games and Leodis, have done a really, really good job. But the one thing I would say that I found works really, really well if you are a, you know, if you are looking to run events, whether you're running them privately or whether you're, you know, running them at a, a local gaming store, and you do find that they don't quite have the right number of, you know good tables as you said Aaron that sort of balancing tables is run an extra price right even if you're a local gaming store and you don't want to invest the money of what it would take to you know put put five more tables together you might be able to do five but you don't want to spend the money for five more lots of mcp terrain um put on another spot price put on best table of the day there are so many players out there who have put so much time work and effort into some absolutely fantastic mcp tables and most of them are more than happy to bring them to an event and show them off um we we did a best table at the at the team event and we had some fantastic entries um as a last kaylee who's from leodis games and she's put some amazing ones together as well um but yeah that that's that would be my recommendation to anyone looking to to run an event Rather than using, as I say, Age of Sigmar or 40k stuff, just ask the community, ask the people that are coming, and they will probably deliver on things. Excellent, thanks. Uh, Tony, what about yourself? Uh, yeah, so I mean, I, um, I can only echo, um, you know, the um, particularly the, the, the AOS 40k, there tends to be a lot of overhang and unclear edges, which doesn't really gel very well with MCP. Um, I mean, for the stuff, um, an element, uh, one of the sort of decisions I made quite early on 
was that if I was going to try and help build the community and, and, and grow the events and, and whatnot, is that I had to grab the uh, bull by the horns a little bit. So I've been steadily working in the background on, you know, 3D printed terrain and uh, bits, uh, you know, official stuff, a, a good old mix. But I, I've got about 12 tables worth of uh, MCP terrain uh, that's all boxed up. Um, you know, I, I run it down for the bigger events. Um, I've been asked by uh, Ellis for the L, uh, sorry, the London GT. Um, if I can uh, fill a, a car boot full of terrain, um, and you know, I think you know, Rich is right that that sort of community, and you know, I, I mean, my my stuff's not you know mad crazy good. I mean, I've seen some people that paint terrain better than I can paint you know the model I actually want to paint. <laughs> um but you know they, they're quite often that they sort of that they're willing to to put that out and um you know i've shamelessly stolen riches uh bring a table uh and put an award in uh for springing to marvel um you know because i'd rather have you know even if they only you know four six people bring tables that's four six tables that are going to look awesome um you know that i don't have to think about so um yeah um and I, I say i say the big thing if you're using terrain from elsewhere is just try and avoid the stuff where there's a an overhang that makes it very unclear what's going on for for, for mcp excellent thanks uh, and norbert so yeah i've um not been able to get to too many events just yet so i went to rich's event which was in um uh, was it Swords, Swords and Brum? Is that it? It was Ash, wasn't it? Boards and Swords. Boards and Swords, yeah. that's it. That's it, yeah. yeah. Boards and Swords, which was really nice. A nice little mezzanine area. Um, made a big event, and nonetheless, it didn't feel too crowded, so that was nice. Um, I, I, I agree about the terrain, though. I think um, so many people paint such nice terrain. Uh, it's a kind of a great idea to have them bring it along, and they want to show it off as well, um, so long as they're happy for people to use it when they're playing. Um, uh, having said that, we have uh, three venues down here in, in uh, London that I've been um, kind of scouting out and doing events at, and all of them have been really more modern type of um, uh, shops with really, you know, professionally run kind of um, staff and stuff like that. So that, that's been really quite nice, a bit of a, just in general for gaming, you know, this not just for MCP. Um, and I've been blessed in that I have a community of um, players that have been wanting to bring their terrain and, and sometimes their mats as well. So we have all kinds of um, local, locally derived terrain. So we tend to play on stuff that's all um, perfect for the, for the game. So we're really fortunate that way. But that's how you build the community is, is that, you know, you start asking people to help bring along some of the stuff and um, they will. Excellent. Um, and now we've got a couple of controversial ones before we move into the future stuff. Um, so let's start with tournament software. Um, I think we kind of covered it before around, I think, the majority of us in the North and Midlands tend to use um, Longshanks. Um, and those that have listened to my podcast previously will have heard our a couple of issues that we've seen with Longshanks, but overall still really rate it. Um, but Norbert, you guys don't use that down south, do you? You're still on um, tournament uh, tabletop tournament TO? That's right, yes. Yeah. Do you want to just... What what's the decision behind that? Because I know that this has been something that's been brought up in the community a couple of times, um, and I know in the TTS world there's been plenty of conversation that way. Um, but for yourselves down in in the south, any particular reason you've gone with that as opposed to um, some of the others? 
Sure. So um, it's it, it's very clear reason for me, which is mostly that uh, I just find t t tabletop t uh, to um, just very simple to set up a tournament and get going with. There's no must, no fuss. You know, two clicks and the, the tournament set up, and you can add people without having them to register or anything. And it's got a simple interface to enter in the results, and it gives you, um, you know, Swiss strength schedule kind of um, uh, results at the end of it. So I don't have to mess about with any kind of additional information that goes in there. Um, it's very simple to use. So everybody gets gets it right away, and and that's it. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Because I'm running local events, you know, I I don't want a lot of uh, messing about. You know, I, I think Longshanks might be better uh, for if you're doing a pre-registration type of situation, like say at a big event or a convention, people can put in their, their rosters ahead of time and lock them in. Uh, it certainly gives you loads of stats, uh, which I think everybody enjoys. I, I do like looking at them. When I was running the Tabletop Simulator League, we specifically made sure to get those stats out um, using a different method, but getting those stats out to all the content creators so we'd have something to talk about during the lockdown uh, in between events. So I definitely enjoy that. I just find it too much work uh, for a local event to bother with. Fair enough. Um, Rich, I know in the past you've had views on, on the different softwares. Do you want to... Um, what were your thoughts on it all? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> I think it's really difficult to compare the two because one of them is a tournament software and that's it it doesn't do anything else um it doesn't pull um you know it doesn't pull stats uh it doesn't pull um trends or or anything like that and and the other one the other one does um and for somebody who is really into the statistical side of the game I'm really interested at looking at things like, um, you know, who, you know, what 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 impact does priority have on a game? You know, over X number of thousands of games, is there a difference? You know, do do more people win if they have priority, or you know, how are Black Order looking at the moment? You know, I can I can go into, I can go into Longshanks, and search by a date range, so I can find when the version 1.5 of the rules came out and I can look at the differences in how certain affiliations, how certain leaders were performing before and after a certain date. Um, and then lastly is, and I think this really does help towards the community piece and actually drives people to, to go to maybe more events than they normally would do um and that is the the badge stroke ranking system on there um now i i see them as two different things um you know longshanks has badges for various different things some of those badges are for playing a certain number of games with certain affiliations some of them are for being the the highest ranked um person at that particular moment in time with a a particular affiliation and I've I found nothing but at least to date positive experiences with that with that ranking system. Um and I know of players who have purposely traveled all around the sort of north and, and midlands of the UK 
going to events at venues that they maybe wouldn't have done in the past because they're trying to get a badge with Asgard or, you know, trying to become the highest rated Guardians of the Galaxy player or or whatever it may be. Um, and then you do have the overall, you know, leaderboard with with players on there, not just from the UK, but from around the globe as well. Um, and I, I get that there is a reluctance to portray MCP as a as a competitive game. I absolutely do. Um, but I think there's definitely room for it. Longshanks is one of those things that the more people that are on it and the more data that's put into there, the more helpful it can be for for newer players to uh, to use as well. You know, a new player coming into the game wondering what route to go down because they want to play something that is somewhat competitive, they can go in there and take a look at what's doing well at the moment and, you know, the rosters that people were using and that kind of thing outside of what we do as content creators. Um, and I think that can only be a good thing. Okay, fair enough. Um, Tony, any thoughts from yourself? Um, I'm a I'm a Longshanks fanboy, but uh, I mean I've come from the world where rankings uh, in in Warhammer has always been a, a thing, um, you know, and, and I think I've seen you know both sides of it when you're sort of outside the tent looking in, and you you know you see all these really good players and they're the, the names in in uh, in quote marks, um, you know, and you're saying oh god, you know, best player in the UK and all the rest of it, but. You, you know, I, um, so I've seen that side. I've also been in that tent and, and looked out, and actually, the, it, it's not much different, to be honest. Um, you, you're just sort of looking at a, a slightly smaller group at the, at the hyper competitive end. But you will know if you're in that group going into an event who your competition is going to be. If you're genuinely going to try and win that event, you know, uh, just as now, you, you know, you're looking at. Uh, Aaron, you're thinking, right, okay, well, Aaron's someone I, I've I've got to be or I've got to avoid, um, you know, and the, the, um, you know, Elliot from from that group would be there, Jed from, from our lot, uh, you know, uh, Rich, uh, and dare I say, Quinn, you no, know, all do not say players. Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> no, I only said it once, so it's not like Candyman. It's all right. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so you know, but you know that because you're in the community anyway. But the difference, I think, with Longshanks, um, I actually think the ranking of the overall players is of less import than the other side of it. So, um, you know, I've had players in our lot that, that are like, oh, what do I take on, on Friday? You know, I'm, I'm a, bit, a bit unsure. And you're like, well, you only need one more game with Cabal and, and you get your, your 10 Cabal badge. And they're like, Oh, brilliant. Right. Okay. Well, I've been playing around with this sin list and it's a little bit different. I was a bit worried about bringing it to an event, but actually, yeah, if I get my badge, then I'll, I'll give it a go. And that for me is, is what should be taken away from, from Longshanks as a, as a system is that comment there, as opposed to the, I need to be Aaron to win an event Regardless, you know the software is is cool, but you know as uh, as Norbert said, you, you know there's other software out there for running an event. But that one guy that wasn't sure about going to the event and what to take, and then they looked at you know you had that conversation. It's like I actually only need one more game, and I get this cool little digital badge that means absolutely nothing to no one but me. 
but that that was the motivation for them to then take that list and and, and play with it and i think that's really important those badges are so addictive let's be honest mm. yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I've got to agree <laughs> okay uh and aaron anything to add on that one um so i'm a fan of long chunks it's a little bit awkward as I feel if I ever say anything positive about Longshanks, I sort of just get shouted down for, well, of course you're going to be a fan of it because of where I'm currently ranked on there. But overall, my experience with it is that more of the casual players actually have an interest in it in my local group in the sense that the badges, the different affiliations and whatnot. Whereas as I think Rich said anyway, or Tony rather, the the competitive players already know who the other competitive players are. I mean, you're going to know that regardless, just because that is the nature of things in these type of communities. It's not like there's thousands and thousands of players. We, we all know who goes to the different events. You know, we recognise people. So I'm a big fan of it, but I do worry that Anyone hearing me say that is just going to turn around and go, oh, yeah, well, there's no wonder you're a fan of it. So it's it's one of those awkward situations for me. Yeah, it's an odd one as well with the whole rankings because similar to Tony, not that I ever got there, but with AOS, there was always the TOs always just submitted all their stuff to, I think it was Ben Curry, to put it on the bad dice rankings. And it, it wasn't part of the tournament software. You know, we all use tournament, tabletop tournament TO for the yeah. tournament but those were then just submitted completely out of your control to somebody else and they were just stuck on a website and i think i must have done 10 15 tournaments before somebody pointed out that this website even existed um we did something similar in the scottish scene um which to start with was just notes on uh, somebody's computer and then eventually i think they, they created a website for it uh, not quite as well done as the bad dice one but yeah, Scott just made it known to the people in the community about it, and we we kind of just ranked from there. Um, but it it was interesting because everybody had their own different way of doing the rankings, and the rankings always felt like it changed every year, um, like how many points you got for each event. Whereas the, I think the one thing about Longshanks is there seems to be a standard way of doing it, whether you agree with it or not, but there's that standard piece and that applies across every event is yeah. if you go on Longshanks um, and that'll go across the entire world as such or world events if you're on Longshanks it's still using the same formula yeah oh. if people take time to look into it um, there is a formula that Sam has set up and it, it actually rewards people for the people but so I don't know how to really explain it but if you play other high ranked players it rewards you for that. So then... 70. Sorry, go on. The, there's, there's an incentive for everyone because if you're a low-ranked player, it's not a matter of, oh, I'll get paired against a high-ranked player, I'm just going to lose. A lot of the time, it's it's a good experience because not only get the opportunity to meet somebody new, play a game where you're going to learn stuff, but it actually helps your ranking anyway. So Yeah, so 75% of your ranking is based on your opponent's win yeah. rate and your opponent's opponent's win rates. So, as you say, it's only like a quarter of your ranking is based on your own win rate. But naturally, the more you win, the more you're going to play players at a higher um, win percentage, and therefore it, it kind of works it all out like that. Yeah. 
fair enough. And, and okay, just, uh, moving on. Oh, go on. I was just going to say, and just on that, um, a shout out to Sam. Aaron, I'm sure you'll agree. I'm sure the rest of you agree as well, because he's done such a good job putting that together. Um, and I know for us in the North and, and the Midlands, it's been a, an invaluable tool. So, um, and, and Sam's such a nice guy as well. You reach out to him with any problems you only find or suggestions or anything like that. And the guy's on it straight away, sorting it out. Um, so yeah, just a big shout out to Sam for, for what he does for the community with that. He's the only Sam in MCP I like because the other one's annoying. Um, and I think we all know which one Okay, and then uh, another one on tournaments, so the last one on this area, is um, prizes. So one of the things that I've seen crop up a bit more in a in MCP than I ever saw in AOS or 40k, really, um, is around cash prizes. Um, that seems to have happened for a little bit and then seems to have dropped off a bit. Um, we've kind of got trophies or other prizes. So what are people's thoughts in general on the split between cash prizes and trophies and which do they prefer and, and kind of why? So we'll start with Tony on this one. Oh, gosh. Um, I, I think uh, uh, cash as in, you know, pound, um, shilling and pence uh, is a no-no. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone should get a brown paper envelope stuffed with £20 notes for winning an event. Um if we're talking cash as in vouchers for the store that is hosting the event, then I think that's a really good idea. Um, you know, it allows the players that do well to, to pick something up. Um, but it also uh, is another way of supporting the stores that are hosting the events. So, I mean, I tend to try and pick my models up from Element because that's where I game. So I support my local gaming stores. I'm sure, uh, you know, everyone does to, to greater or lesser degrees. Um, but I have picked up models from, from uh, other stores uh, using the vouchers that I've won at events. And typically, you know, you get a, a £10 voucher and I'm going to throw it down on a £40 model. So the store's getting some money um you know that they may not have otherwise done so I, I think that's really important um trophies are great um you know the, the more uh quirky uh i guess the better uh i quite like the the glass etched stuff um you know we've, we've got uh, a few places doing those um for the spring into marvel um it, think of the the, the trophies uh, i guess uh prizes uh there are some uh voucher prizes um but the other thing that we're also doing, there are, as I say, we're rewarding every uh, win bracket. So there will be a prize table and then all the win brackets will come up. Um, but obviously first place will get first dibs on the table uh, and there'll be a complete eclectic mix. So, you know, there'll be, uh, you know, pop head type thing, you know, then bobble head things. Uh, there's a Thanos kit that's going to be in there. Uh, some replica um, movie replica type things. So uh, there's an eye of Agamotto will be uh, in that prize pool as well. So we're trying to do something a little bit different. Um, and, and that, again, you know, th there's no new ideas really that in gaming, they've all been done, um, but it's stealing shamelessly from the Lord of the Ring guys or Middle Earth guys as it is now. Uh, you know, you, you go to events there and you win, you know, Gandalf's sword or, you you know, um, Legolas's bow and Gimli's axe or whatever it is. So they, they try and do something uh, that ties it in. 
Um, so obviously we're we're left with realistically things from the MCU. Um, so yeah, just try, trying to bring some of that uh, that side in. Um, so yeah, a mix for me would be uh, you know the right answer. Fair enough. Excellent, uh, Aaron. Uh, yeah. So obviously, Martin, you came to the event or ran over the weekend. Um, I personally think doing a mix of stuff is not necessarily the safe way to go, but the the best way to go in the sense that people are going to be pleased um, with what they get, at least in some aspects. So, for example, the two undefeated players at my event got a £15 voucher, a sort of um, a trophy, and I think maybe £60 worth of COG2 stuff as well. So I like to have a little bit of a mix. Um, the different events that I've been to, also, some of them vary quite a lot. I like trophies, personally. Um, but I also don't mind just store credit. So I, I, I've yet to ever be to an event that offers um, actual money as a prize, as Rich said, like money in an envelope or anything like that. But I think it, it really... Okay really depends on sort of the scale of the event really as well as to what sort of prize support is going to be on offer yeah and I, I really liked what you did uh over the weekend with the undefeated as opposed to having that first and second you've decided by strength of schedule to have both of them just as the two undefeated ones and getting the same prices was great yeah. I, I think that that's a really important thing because although it's great that people want to run so many events it also does create a slight dilemma when you have a situation where you have people coming to an event, playing four games across the day, and at the end of the day, two people have won all four, but one person sort of gets the better set of prizes purely based on something that they couldn't really control. I mean, I myself, I think there's been seven occasions where I've lost out in first place due to strength of schedule. So I'm a big fan of the idea of doing these undefeated awards you know, sort of rewarding both players that have managed to go four and zero or three and zero, purely because they shouldn't have to chance whether they they get to come first based on something that they can't control. Uh, I'll, I'll just interject here, Aaron, because I have lost um, major tournament um, based on um, sports votes, and that hurts even more. I can tell you. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, those those ones where you add it all up and kind of painting sports, all of it goes into it, and then that's the finishing point. Um, we haven't necessarily seen that so much in MCP. I, I don't think I've seen a single event where they've kind of accumulated all, all the points and come out with a different ladder based on anything other than just your results. Um, I'll pass it across to Norbert. Yeah, I... Um... I can tell you what I don't like for sure is I don't like giving out, giving away product, like actual game product. And the reason is, is that if you already have, if the players have already had that stuff or just have no interest in it, it's kind of like a wasted prize. So uh, yep. I know people like to get something in their hands, but I, I much prefer giving out store vouchers or something like that uh, so they can buy what they and, want. And do you do trophies as well as the store vouchers in, in down there, or have you just been doing store vouchers so far? Just store vouchers because they're small. You know, we're, we're doing local one-day events only. Um, for, for bigger events like conventions and things, or two-day big events, I would um, I wouldn't mind a small trophy or a plaque. Plaques are even better because they're easier to 
pack to travel home with. Um, but something like yep. that is good for, for a memento, which is nice. Um, one thing we do down here is, is that we don't give out prizes for, um, uh, based on rankings, um, because it's meant to be more of a way to get everybody to come and enjoy the day. So what instead we do is we have a list of achievements at the beginning of the day, and I give out like a little sheet of paper, and people can mark them off. And each achievement that they get each game... Um, they, we, I just use those then as a, um, to, in a random number generator and pick numbers. And then, uh, so, and everybody, you, you can't win a prize twice. So basically, I take as many vouchers as I have or whatever else I have to give away. And then I divide it up uh, uh, amongst all the people by ran, through these random draws. So the more that you try to achieve, which includes winning, uh, you know, winning is one of the achievements, but winning isn't the only thing that you can collect in points. And um, the more you do all that stuff, gives you more chances to win. And that means everybody has at least a little bit of a chance, if not more, if they've done really well with the achievements. Just to Some always. Sorry, just Go on, Aaron. quickly echo what Norman said as well. Um, I definitely agree with what he's saying about sort of giving everyone an opportunity to win. Um, as I did at my event, for example, I think it's important that everyone there. Sort of knows that going into the event, they can win something, regardless of whether they're on the top tables or not. Which is why I do things like the blood to spare, the um, dance off, and all the spot prize and everything. I think that's a really important balance because I, I do think it's a shame when you go to an event and the entire prize support just goes to the top three places because there are certain players that don't aim to end in that place, and why should they then be limited to? their ability to walk away with something at the end of the day absolutely no you, you're right i was going to chip in and say that that we we'd seen that over the weekend with yourself you know you had not only those achievements but you also had those spot prizes as well as it all um so any combination is good rich anything to add on that one no not really i think um you know depending on on the type of event it is um you know i turn up to tony's events on a friday and it's, you know, we pay the entry fee, right? Tony, you know, Tony doesn't, uh, we don't give prize, or Tony doesn't give prize out for that. But, you know, we're paying, what, £3.50 in Tony or something like that. It's just the, yeah. it's just yeah. the table time. So I don't expect anything from that. Um, I would expect, though, you know, a local gaming store, if they're charging, you know, £10, £15 a ticket, you know, sometimes £20 a ticket, um, I would expect there to be price support. Um, I really, really like the Cogo 2 stuff, um, but I do also uh, understand um, where where Norbert's coming from in terms of, you know, Aaron, I don't know how many Cogo 2 stuff you must have, um, but, you know, it, it, it adds up quickly, doesn't it? Um, yeah, definitely. But, you know, I think, they're, I think they're really, you know, they're really, really nice prizes. Um, I like giving out the trophies. It's something that, you know, I've been speaking to to Quinn about actually because we are looking to run the the second team event on and, and start ideas for that later this year. Is we want to do some more of the as you were sort of saying, Tony, um, <clears throat> non MCP related prizes, but you know, sort of in the vein of just general Marvel stuff. Um, you know, whether that's like you know Thor's hammer or you know um, the the you know. Thanos has gone or, or something like that that's you know something a little bit different um and then you know I always think store credit is is really really good and I think it's good twofold um I don't know who it was that mentioned it but it gives 
<coughs> excuse me, it gives the the store you know more of an opportunity to make to make some more cash as well, which is you know which is never a bad thing. Um, you know, the more the more cash those guys make, the more you know. Hopefully, they'll make you know they make their gaming spaces and everything else just a, an overall better experience. Um, but I think it is then nice because it means you can turn up to event and have you know five, ten, fifteen pounds put towards the the latest and greatest release, which is you know never, never, uh, never a bad thing. I don't think. Um, but yeah, I think just to sort of echo what everyone said, really, I think it's all really good. But again, it's you know making sure um, it, it it's the right prizes for the right environment. Excellent, thank you. Okay, so looking to the future. Um, obviously we, we kind of talked about what we've seen so far, what we like, what we dislike. Um, but looking to the future, obviously we're looking for this to grow and we are seeing it grow. We've mentioned it before here that the number of events and the size of those events are rapidly increasing considering this is still relatively, it's relatively new in the, in the real world. Yes, the TTS, but in the real world, it's still relatively new and the scene seems to be going at a, an incredible rate. Any concerns that you may have as we see the community grow or anything you'd like to see less of in, in the MCP scene? Um, and we'll start with yourself this time, Rich. Um, <clears throat> this is, I'm, I'm going to make a statement here and I, and I don't want to offend anyone, but if you are offended by this, then you're probably one of the people that cause these problems anyway. Um, <clears throat> I haven't done, everybody hangs up after this. I haven't done one of these for a while, people. Um, it's it's around the community we have. I think we have an absolutely fantastic community of of players, of tournament organizers, of content creators, for the most part in in Marvel Crisis Protocol across the board. Um, I have both experienced and heard secondhand horror stories of people, especially newer players trying to come into other gaming system environments my own personal experience as a sort of 12 13 year old lad and and maybe one of the reasons why i stopped really trying to do anything <clears throat> on the on the 40k and, and fantasy scene um i turned up to a to, a, to an event at, a, at games my local games workshop and it was horrible it was absolutely horrible um I was looked down upon by the more veteran players. They weren't very welcoming. Now, that just may be an isolated incident, but I've definitely heard examples of um, toxicity in, in, other, uh, in, other, in, in other gaming systems. And <clears throat> one of my concerns, and I think it's part of us as, and when I say us, I mean as a collective of players who have been in this game for a while, whether you're a content creator, whether you're a tournament organiser, or just whether you're a regular player. But I think it's to us to police that, to make sure that we keep that very, very friendly environment that we've created and making sure that we do stamp out not any form of negativity. People are going to be negative, but you know, in any form of bullying, any form of... Um, of sort of hatred towards any individual or group of people or anything like that, I think is really, really important. And I think we have a responsibility to to sort of manage that because whether they're coming from a gaming environment that has a bad history or not, as a community grows and as more and more people become part of it, inevitably 
people will join that community who have certain views and act in certain ways. And I think that's my that's my only concern really is that as it grows, we need to make sure we keep this community base that we've got. Um, and I think we all have a um, have a have a um, we we all need to do that basically. It's, it's for us to police and for us to to make sure we stamp it out if we see it. I, I genuinely could not agree more with everything you just said. Um, that's very much my views. But we'll we'll see what everybody else says and we'll circle back. Uh, so, Aaron. Uh, so I have a little bit of a sort of unique perspective, in a sense, in that I am, um, even though I don't necessarily know the correct term, I would say I am a person of colour, obviously. Um, so there are a lot of really off. I don't know the best way to word this. There isn't a huge awareness of how. Um, how certain groups in the hobby can actually be very um, off-putting and unwelcoming towards people of colour. Um, the Marvel community, I've not come across anything like it at all. I've had maybe a couple of, one small incident on um, TTS, which I won't go into about. And I think it's it's just important to be really welcoming to members of sort of ethnic communities as well as members of the LGBT community and just make sure that everyone knows that, you know, you can play this game regardless of who you are or sort of what your background is. Because to be honest, if, if we're all being honest, if me and Cy Ritual Tony met outside of Marvel, I doubt we'd have many things in common and we'd have ever been friends just purely because we come from such different sort of backgrounds and I think it's great that I've now made these friends with people that I wouldn't have necessarily spoken to before I consider you more of an acquaintance than a friend Aaron if I'm being brutally honest (laughs) keeping that sort of level of openness and friendliness in the community is something that in the future I want hopefully to carry on to be a thing fair enough Uh, Norbert any thoughts from yourself um, I just wanted to also add to Aaron's good points about um, um, people not in the mainstream. It should also include women, unfortunately. Women still are a major minority uh, in our scene. So hopefully that changes as well and is welcoming in uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol. It is nice to see how many female characters exist in the universe and how many the studio has chosen to make models out of. So um, it's nice that they're trying to push that forward. So hopefully that will net some returns for us. Yeah, I, I just want to apologise as well. Obviously, I said people of colour and the LGBT community. To me, I didn't even think of mentioning the fact that, like you said, some women feel uncomfortable because it's it's such an odd thing to me to think that sort of you know there are these places that the people in those gaming groups allow it to be that kind of environment. It's just astounding to me. So I think, as you said, it's great to see a lot more women get involved in the hobby as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, Tony, one of the one of the greatest players in this game. She's an absolute cracking little player. Tony, your daughter. She <laughs> she turns up on a Friday night when she well when she does turn up and she she stomps some of the guys. You know. She yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant to see. Yeah, um, I, I, and I suppose that, that leads nicely into me, doesn't it? Um, I, I've got to say, I, I mean, you know, my. Uh, 
daughter and I have played, and we've got a little YouTube channel, and it's mostly unboxing videos uh, these days. I've played a few games and whatnot. Um, but our experience has been nothing but positive in the stuff that we've done together. Uh, you know, the comments on the videos and whatnot. Um, we did our first away event down at uh, Boarding Brom, and uh, Simon was an absolute gent uh, the whole day. He organised it so that we could play next to each other um, for the for the full day, and um, you know, really looked after us. Um, I guess I'm blessed that I've never really seen any of the negative environment. Um, you know, at, at all, really. Um, you know, be that female players, be that uh, you know, people of colour, or I mean, I remember um, going back many years. There was a, a chap that was a man at our GT Heat, and then he was a lady at the final. But no one really batted an eyelid, to be honest. It was just, you know, just one of those things. And um, I think as long as we're open and we we, we accept whoever it is and, and whatever walk of life and uh, you know be that race color creed gender it doesn't really matter it's just a person that wants to engage in a hobby that we all love so um yeah i, I think uh, we have got a great community and um long may, may that continue but not but not scousers right just to clarify <laughs> <laughs> i jest i jest <laughs> I, I I think I think you've all hit on really good points, and I think it is important because I I do see some of the other communities much bigger than ours um, that do unfortunately have a number of negative elements to them, um, and for those of us that are in the Games Workshop sphere as such, you know, there's been a lot of talk, especially around the 40k world, um, and I think. MCP being such a, a new community, yet is coming in with people from all different types of you know, backgrounds. You know, look at just the four of you, five of us on here, who all play different games, come from different communities into this. Um, I think we've got a real opportunity here to make sure that we can keep this a real positive community, really welcoming, um, because that there is always that chance the bigger it goes the more people come across from other communities they might bring that negativity in but and i think rich you said it i think it's on us to police it as a community um not you know come down hard on anybody who says oh i don't like what amg's done here um but at the same time just keep it positive and just remind people that at times you know it, it is a community of people that want to have fun at the end of the day that's the whole point um, we should be welcoming to everybody. And it's, it's always sad to hear of any negative stories in whichever community you're in. I mean, I'll, I can't, if I may just add one sort of final point, when you think of the source material of Marvel, um, you know, over the years, they've championed every kind of right that a human has a right to. Um, you know, and they've put people in bad situations. But, um, you know, you think the mutants was, a, a, a you know, almost a parallel to the... Uh, the movement of uh, black people in America and their rights and, you know, that's character. But they fought for those people and they fought for, you know, gay rights and all the rest of it. And if that's the culture that the, the source material gives us, you would hope that the community would build in and tap into that. You know, and we talk about, you know, Warhammer and, you know, there is, you know, let's be honest, 40K is a massive fascist 
uh, environment and it was designed as a parody of you know real life and unfortunately it's sort of grown a life of its own um but you know that's the source material you know i suppose there is an element that that would inspire people of that mindset whereas i don't think marvel as a as an entity promotes that at all no absolutely not and i think that <clears throat> i think this is one of the very few games that are around at the moment that comes from such a beloved source material in Marvel, whether it's somebody who has only ever discovered Marvel through the movies or TV shows, whether it's somebody who grew up on the you know X Men nineties cartoon, or whether it's somebody who's got shelves and shelves of of comic books, I think there's so many players I speak to who have come into Marvel and Marvel Crisis Protocol <clears throat> not from another game system, but actually because they saw it. And they love Marvel, and they thought that this would be a really good way of being able to recreate, um, you know, the the moments that they've seen from the comic books or on the TV screen or in the movie theater. Um, and I think we need, you know, like I say, I think it's it's our job to make sure we keep the community as it is. And people will disagree. And to your point, Tony, it's not about coming down hard on anyone. But for me, it's it's no different to, you know, if I saw somebody doing it in real life. Um, you'd have a word with them, and you'd you know you'd you'd sort some you know you'd sort it out. And I think it's for us to to make sure we you know we do that as well. You know we make it very clear to people coming into the game if something is said, if something you know bullying does happen, harassment does happen, you know somebody has a word with them and makes them aware this is not that type of community. Um, mm. Because you know once once it, once it starts seeping in, then it's really really difficult to to stamp out. Um, so I think you know you have to do it from the beginning. Yeah, I agree, and that, that's what I mean. Like we are such a, a young, small, well, not necessarily small, young, growing community that we've got that chance. We, we almost start with a clean slate, like you say. The background material there is so positive. We're starting with a clean slate, with a really positive. Back, there's no real reason that it should go anywhere else. Mm. Excellent. Uh, so we'll finish off with what advice would you give to anybody who has not been to an MCP event before? Um, you know, that's thinking, maybe listening to this, thinking, oh, actually, this sounds like really good fun. Or anybody who's not even done MCP before. I'm not sure why they'd be listening to this, but maybe there are others out there. Um, hmm. Let's start with yourself, Rich. Um, <clears throat> first and foremost, I would say turn up to your first event, first game, first whatever it is, um, make sure you've done your homework in terms of, you know, you've got a good grasp and understanding of the rules. There's so much content out there in whatever form you choose to consume content, whether it's written word, whether it's, um, you know, video or whether it's audio. So go and get a good understanding of the rules first and foremost. And then for your first event, for your first affiliation that you're going to play pick your favorite characters yes there are yes there's a ranking of characters in terms of some characters are better than others yes right now some affiliations are better than others but it changes on a monthly quarterly yearly basis based on releases pick your favorite characters build your roster around that and take it from there then start to look at the player styles and everything else. And you may decide that actually X-Men isn't really for me. I prefer the, 
you know, the kill list of Black Order or whatever it is. But start with something you enjoy and start with something that you know. And I think you'll have some real fun with it. Um, Every person I've played in MCP, right from my first, very, very first demo games, right through now to, you know, I, I don't consider myself in the in the upper echelon of players, but I would say that personally I'm a competitive player. I, I play to win. Um, but every experience I've had has been, or for the most part, been positive. I've never seen anybody ask for a game, a demo game, whether it's at my local gaming store, whether it's on uh, TTS or something like that. And they haven't had a response in five, ten minutes of somebody saying, absolutely, I can give you a demo game and show you through. Um, but that, that would be my big advice is pick pick something you like. Pick a pick a, an individual IP within the game that you know and you love and build your roster around that and um, and then take it from there and, and see what tickles your fancy after you've been to one or two events. Thank you. Uh, Norbert? Well, my first piece of advice is definitely consider going to one. Don't hesitate. Um, I think a lot of people are worried about going to them, and honestly, it's really not that big a deal. You're, you're probably making a bigger deal out of it than it really is. So, you know, just, just go for it. That's my first piece of advice. Secondly, if you're having some concerns about it, just message the TO. Ask them questions like, is it okay to come with some models unpainted? Um, is it okay if, if I'm relatively new, I understand the rules, but I haven't played that many games, is it okay if, to come to your event? Um, they'll give you lots of advice and pointers uh, about whether it's going to be appropriate for you or not to make sure you have as good a time as that they hope um, um, all the players there are having. Um, and then, yeah, after that, um, you know, oh, oh, another question to ask them is whether they'll allow you to proxy cards. Uh, that's somewhat common in this game, so um, it's possible, but it's definitely TO dependent, so you can ask them that, and that way you're not so limited to beyond the, just the models that you've purchased that whatever cars might have come with them. Um, and then, yeah, like Rich was saying, then just, you know, build a roster. It doesn't have to be a metal, you know, crushing moss roster. Uh, it's just one that you think is fun. Uh, all the rosters in this game are, are relatively competitive um, and uh, you're going to have much better time with the stuff that you have there rather than trying to figure out how to play a roster which uh, was designed before by a competitive player, which I have to say, unlike other games that I've played, uh, the way that the mechanics of MCP are, it's really hard to just get a list, or like a roster off of a, a internet site and understand what it does or how you're supposed to pilot it. it it's really quite complex compared to some other games. Uh, and so it's almost fruitless if they don't provide an explanation of how they use it. And even then, that way they use it might not be the way you like to use uh, things, and so you won't pilot it very well. So I think in MCP, more than other games, it's a bit of a um, red herring to try to pull off lists um, from other people and expect to do as well. Perfect. Tony? Yeah, I mean, uh, turn up, talk to the TO. Um, I don't think there's much more to it than that. Um, I mean, one thing, um, I mean, less about events, but more about playing. Um, and I've been getting asked quite, I mean, genuinely, a day doesn't go by when I don't have at least one DM on Twitter saying, oh, I'm looking in, getting into this. Can you give me some pointers? Uh, which I'm you know, absolutely happy to do. Um, but what I would say, um, when someone is looking to get into it and they say, oh, can you give me a demo? I'm like, well, actually, you know about gaming. Do you want a demo or do you want me to run you through a game? 
because the two things are very, very different. Um, but I, I guess that's more for playing in general. Because um, if you're an experienced gamer, you don't need a demo where you, you know, oh yeah, I'm going to smash this and this explodes and da 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 da. You, you know, there's a bit more mechanics behind it. But in terms of rocking up to an event, um, you know, as as Norbert said, check with the TO, um, just make them aware. Because uh, if nothing else, you know, you, you can always um, arrange a friendly round one if uh, if, if it's more casual. Um, and then in terms of picking your kit, um, whenever I'm talking to anyone, it's start with a starter box and, and go from there. I mean, the three box challenge type things are really, really good, I think, for newer players. Uh, it takes a lot of the options out, but it lets you pick up a few kits that uh, you like the look of and uh, and build it up from there. But uh, just do it. Just just go uh, play. Uh, events are amazing. Don't be scared. Um, you know, people are great. Just just please just rock up and um, and you'll have a great time. Oh, l- let me quickly add uh, that if you if you are new or relatively new, uh, don't be afraid to mention it to your opponent. Say I don't want you not to say that you should go on easy on you, but you know, it, so they can understand that if you make mistakes or you seem unsure about something, that they that, that they understand where that's coming from, and um, most of the time they'll be very accommodating. Hundred percent agree on that one. That's that's one of the key things I was going to say at the end was, I think as somebody who's played quite a few games, you know, it, it's good to know who I'm up against. If it's a brand new player that I've never met before, I don't know whether they're somebody who knows the rules inside out or is looking for, like their first ever tournament they're just looking for a nice relaxed game it it very much depends on on the player so just just mentioning that in passing is part of the setup so oh this is the first ever tournament i've done i've only ever played like four or five games that just sets the tone for the for the rest of the game and i think that really does help um aaron pass across to yourself yeah i just think um Echoing everything that everyone else has said, just go for it, man. Just honestly, go to the event. There's so many people, um, even with my event, there was a couple of people that hadn't played before. Um, and they loved it. They had great times. I, I just think you should honestly just dive right in. Don't be afraid. Let your opponent know. You know, Talk to your opponent because at the end of the day, it's, um, it's about the people that are playing these games. Do you know what I mean? So... I think I think it's just, just dive in and give it a go. And I think for the most part, every single person you come across will be more than welcoming and more than willing to accommodate whatever level you're playing at or how long you've been playing. Um, I know that I'm certainly more than willing to play anyone and help anyone learn the game, whether they want a really competitive game or a really casual game or they just you know want to learn how to play. I mean... I ended up playing somebody in round three who was brand new to the game, didn't even understand um, what it meant to be affiliated. And it, it was a right laugh. And afterwards, you know, we um, exchanged details and, you know, we spoke a few times since then. I think the most important thing is don't be afraid to do those things. Excellent. No, really good advice. Excellent. Well, thank you ever so much for all your time, everybody. It's been an absolutely fascinating set of uh, discussions. Um, and it'll be good to see if we can do something similar maybe in a year's time and, and see where, where the world has got to by then. Um, this chance for everybody just to, to plug your relevant content. I think everybody on here is more or less a content creator or a TO. Um, so if we go in reverse order from where we started, uh, Rich, where can people get hold of you or um, see, see the stuff you're, you're creating? 
Yeah, it's uh, www.onlyfans forward slash Quinn Duggan is, uh, is where you can go. <laughs> Oh, don't um, go there, people. <laughs> please don't go <laughs> there. <laughs> no, so you you guys can find me um, on on YouTube. That is that is predominantly where where I publish absolutely everything. Uh, we've also got a Discord as well. But head over to the YouTube channel. It's Rich Mid Gaming, uh, and then look at any of the videos, and you'll be able to find all of the other places that you'll uh, that you can find me as well. So I'll put I'll put links to everything in the in the show notes. Uh, Tony, yourself. Um, so as I say, I've got the, a little channel uh, with my daughter. It was Daddy Daughter Gaming, but now she's at high school. We've rebranded to the M4, so that's M for more, uh, as in our surname. So um, you can check that out. Um, best place, I guess, to get hold of me would be Twitter, which is at the count more, uh, and then I'm on the, loads of the Facebook groups and whatnot. But um, yeah, in, in terms of events, Friday nights. Um, uh, Element Games and then um, spring into Marvel uh, 9th and 10th of April and the tickets are on sale through Element Games Excellent, so if people want to just go to the Element Games website and search for spring into Marvel I'm guessing Yeah, that'll be it Perfect, excellent, and Aaron? Um, So although currently I've not been able to post hardly anything Due to juggling rugby, college uh, events themselves, and my son, you can find me at webwarriorprotocols.com. Um, you can find me under that tag on Facebook as well, as well as on Twitter. And then Rich briefly mentioned uh, myself and Rich have a joint Discord, which you can find both of us there. I mean, if you really want, you could probably find Quinn there at some point as well. <laughs> so yeah, but I, I I've been featuring on lots of different podcasts and YouTube, so I'm sure you will come across more unpleasant voice at some point on some form of media and then you'll be able to trace it back to, to my site perfect and Norbert great so um, first of all I want to mention that we're having our next uh, tournament at Bad Moon Cafe near London Bridge uh, in London and that'll be on the 5th of March there's still tickets available from their website um, just £10 to play four games. So that's my next event. And we play there every Thursday night as well as a group, just a game night from 6 to 10 in the evening. Um, to get a hold of me, I'm on Twitter as well, at 45CaliberIdea. And on uh, YouTube, I have a little channel as well, which is uh, Dr. Norbert Games. And uh, for the most part, I stream some of the, the later um, finals games or this, the um, the elimination rounds of the TTS uh, season league uh, matches. So that's what I do on the YouTube channel. Um, and then on Facebook, you'll see me on the in the various MCP UK tech groups, usually promoting our events. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, all. Uh, if anybody wants to catch up with me, I am at Martin Swaffield on both Twitter and uh, Instagram. Um, and a big shout out to our channel sponsor, Bearded Card Trader, whose next event is next weekend on the 12th. If anybody's in the Northeast and wants to go across to that, pop across for the 12th. And thank you very much. 